Folks, the Central Division every year is always an arms race, and the offseason to try and build the best contender in the West is a never-ending challenge. But, you know, the times are changing. Some of the Pacific teams might even be eclipsing the Central, and obviously the Central itself is in a state of flux. I want to take a look at the off-seasons for all of our Central Division rivals, see which teams are winners, which ones are losers, and where the Jets might fit in the midst of all of this, all coming right up on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. Your Locked On the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, friends, and welcome to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for choosing to make Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But, uh, of course, we just, most of all, really love and appreciate your support. Tonight's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline. It's where the game starts. On tonight's episode, I thought it would be worthwhile to take a look at the Central Division because, uh, obviously, the Jets haven't really been up to much uh, for the most part. Winnipeg's offseason has been... Well, it's been kind of quiet and disappointing, and I think a lot of us were maybe expecting a bit more, given the fact that, you know, missing the playoffs and having all of these upcoming expiring contracts, all of the rumors around the team, uh, the brand new coaching staff, maybe some of us thought things would be a little bit further along than they are. But, you know, it is what it is. The Jets have been quiet, but the rest of the Central Division has not. I thought it would be worthwhile to take a look at a, a team-by-team breakdown, roughly speaking, trying to figure out which teams have won the offseason and which ones really haven't been doing a whole lot. So the first team that I want to take a look at is Arizona, and I constantly forget that the Yotes are even in the Central Division now. It's just kind of a weird thing. But uh, Arizona, if, if you look at any team around the league and you look at their chaotic situations and stuff. I'm not sure most teams really quite match up to the chaos and dysfunction that has plagued Arizona for the last several years. And I don't just mean in terms of like on ice performance. I also mean like the arena situation, um, a lot of the controversies with some of the players that they've drafted and just the general situation with the team. Uh, you know, a, a lot of rumors of relocation threats and of course, the uh, the move to a college rink that actually has impacted their schedule now. The college team that's there, I think it's what is what is it? Arizona Sun Devils. They actually take precedence on the weekends, as far as I know, or like the week weekdays uh, for for home games. One of those two. So you know, the Yotes have had to map their schedule around the college schedule, which is just sort of odd for a professional hockey team. But I guess on the ice, at least. I would say the Yotes haven't really changed a lot. Their offseason has been kind of like Winnipeg's, a little bit quieter. 
I'll say that their draft was interesting because I felt like they made a number of missteps. Arizona traded up routinely to uh, get a, a couple of top picks in the first round. And the pick that they did trade up for, um, I forget if this is the one that turned into Connor Geeky, but to be honest, I just feel like their draft in particular was one where they kind of reached on a number of their selections. And honestly, you know, for the Jets, this actually panned out because Winnipeg picked not too long after the Yotes. And I think a guy like Geeky probably would have been one of the Jets' top targets. But aside from, you know, drafting some guys like this, I think, you know, Arizona's offseason has mostly been quiet. They did bring in Troy Stetcher, which I think is a really smart value signing. And they've also tried to uh, take on some salary, making a few deals here and there for some picks. Um, they ended up being part of the Patrick Nemeth trade which is mostly just a, a sort of an asset dump for the uh, for the, the Rangers. They needed to shed some salary. They did. And I guess, you know, the Yotes are picking up a couple of picks, but, you know, nothing too exciting. Second rounders in, you know, the far-flung future might as well be non-existent at this point. But other than that, you know, the Yotes, I think, are just preparing for another season of disappointment. I think that this team has been through the ringer. Uh, there's not really a lot of talent on the active NHL roster. Uh, they've brought in uh, Nick Bukestad, but you know, you know what is Bukestad really going to do for this team? Probably uh, not a ton. In terms of drafted talent, uh, the, the one thing that I will say is Logan Cooley is going to be a monster for this team, but that's probably you know a couple years down the road. Maybe he hits the league earlier, but you know the rest of the team, right? It's not exactly deep. I, I think that that is something that's going to be a problem for them for the foreseeable future. And I, I really don't see how they're going to get themselves out of the cellar of, uh, out of the cellar of the central. I think that that is going to be where they reside. And to be honest, they're probably okay with that. I think the other big trade that they of course had was of course the, you know, the Zach Cassian deal. This was kind of an interesting one because um, Edmonton desperately needed to get rid of this deal. And honestly, I don't know that uh, the Yotes really squeezed the Oilers as much as they could have, but I mean, you're getting Cassian. I don't even know what he is at the stage of his career, probably like a fourth liner, but Hey, I mean, it is what it is, right? Um, I think the Yotes are just trying to get some future assets, uh, restock the cupboards and, and well, also do it on the cheap. I think that that's the other thing. Any player that's got a cap hit that doesn't actually match the salary, a salary that's a lot lower, they they definitely love, and they've been going for that for a while now. So, yeah, overall, very quiet offseason, but I think the, the main issue for the Yotes is going to be attendance and certainly revenue. So that'll be an interesting situation to watch. Uh, we'll be uh, tracking their whole arena push. They've been trying to do a new arena, and for this franchise, that would be of course, a bit of a game changer. Who knows if it's going to get off the ground? Uh, Arizona has constantly had to deal with this over the past couple of years, and each time they've not really had a lot of success at securing a new rink. So this franchise, very troubled, and uh, you know, seeing the old Jets turn into this, it is a little bit hard to watch at times and a little bit sad in a way. But you know, uh, despite having a pretty not great offseason, Arizona still might have had a better uh, on-ice change uh, versus the Chicago Blackhawks. I want to take a look at what exactly Chicago's been up to because, to be quite honest, I really don't know. <laughs> Their team, if I try to put it into words, uh, the moves and transactions that they've made, the closest thing I could probably describe it is some kind of a circus. 
We'll take a look at why and what exactly Chicago might be going for here in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I want to shout out our friends and partners at BetOnline.net. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. I've used BetOnline in a dummy bid before or a dummy bet before, which um, I just tried a test bet on a Bundesliga match ended up winning it. Of course, I didn't actually win any money, but it was a pretty cool experience. They made it very clear. I'd never really done online betting before, but uh, they kind of taught me a lot of the ropes with a very intuitive, easy to use website. But more than just online betting, BetOnline wants to bring you all the news, podcasts, reviews, league updates, and live scores all at your fingertips from Major League Baseball to NFL action, NBA basketball, of course, NHL hockey, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Heck, when the Triple Crown rolls around, they've also got horse racing, so you'll always stay up to date on the latest action, no matter your favorite sport. And if you don't love sports, uh, first off, why are you listening to this podcast? But secondly, you know, they've also got Vegas casino games. They want to make sure that everyone leaves happy because, you know, BetOnline is where the game starts. So head on over to BetOnline.net to register for a free account on your laptop or mobile device right now. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Lockdown Winnipeg Jets. We are taking a look around the Central Division, trying to figure out which teams have had a good offseason, which teams have not really done much at all, and which ones are, quite frankly, losers. Arizona, I would say, uh, falls kind of in the middle so far, but the next team we're going to talk about is Chicago, and their offseason is a little bit more clear-cut in terms of what I would say is a direction, and it's not a good one. Before I uh, go any further, though, I just wanted to again say uh, thank you so much for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now, kind of circling back to uh, Chicago, this team for me, I don't really understand. Their offseason doesn't really make sense, even with the context of trying to sever ties with the former regime. I, I don't really know what their plan is. I don't know if they even have a plan. It kind of feels like the new GM staff hasn't really had uh, a particular direction. You know, the Alex Debrinkit trade did not exactly go their way. And ever since then, they've just been bleeding talent. I don't really count uh, Henrik Borgstrom going out as a particularly troubling thing. But I will say that, you know, the loss of um, Dylan Strom is actually going to be pretty significant. And he, you know, basically just walked for free. And uh, the rest of this team, I, I don't really know what they're up to. Um, Luke Richardson has been brought in as the head coach. I don't really know if he's going to be a great candidate, but in terms of their drafting, at least that's probably the one thing that they are going to be happy with. Uh, you know, of course they got Frank Nazar and Kevin Korchinski, handful of other players. And then they also traded away Kirby doc, which, you know, doc for me, wasn't really all that impressive. I didn't really expect him to become a long-term part of this core I think Chicago has uh, some signs of eventually having a brighter future in terms of the roster, but it's hard to say when that'll become uh, apparent because just looking at the moves that they've made with the roster, there's a lot of depth signings. Uh, there's some okay drafted talent, some really good players, but the rest of the team, you know, they've taken on some sal salary and contracts that all to me look like the sort that you would expect on the trade deadline block. We're talking Andreas Anthonisio for a year, Max Domi for a year as well, both at $3 million for the season, uh, Colin Blackwell coming in at around uh, two years for just under $1.5 million. 
And there's all sorts of rumors around Taves and Kane being moved. I think Kane is the one who's drawing the most interest right now. But of course, if they were to retain salary on Taves, I could see any number of teams that would be interested. And I think his contract is structured to where the back end salary actually is significantly cheaper than his cap hit. So uh, my my general verdict on Chicago's offseason is big L. I really can't see how you can construe this as any sort of victory other than maybe just trying to dump a lot of the connections that have tied them to uh, that that past with Kyle Beach um, and the, the older group that used to manage this team, as well as a lot of the players who would have been involved in, in the know with all of this. So, yeah, Chicago, I don't really know what to say about this team other than uh, if you're a Hawks fan listening to this, Godspeed, good luck, and I hope that uh, at some point, they're a little bit better than what they are right now because this team for the next several years is going to be like Arizona. They're going to be sinking at the bottom of the division and there aren't really many signs of improvement anywhere on the horizon. Another team that I'm kind of unsure of so far is Dallas. Uh, the stars for me are kind of in a strange spot, I would say, of being a decent team, but also not good enough to actually be considered true competitors. A lot of their moves, for the most part, I would say, are definitely on the more depth side of things. Um, they've brought in Pete DeBoer to coach. And, you know, DeBoer, for me, uh, everyone always says that he has a really good first season, but then everything after that is pretty mediocre. Uh, DeBoer, for me, I'm just never really impressed with. I think he's fairly average in most areas. Uh, his teams tend to be a little bit more on the boring side, a little bit low event. And, you know, in terms of signings, they got Jason March or Mason Marchman, uh, Colin Miller, Will Butcher, guys like this. I think they will round out the depth. Uh, Butcher at one point was a heralded right-handed prospect for New Jersey. Didn't really have the kind of NHL career that would be more than a solid depth player. Colin Miller, another decent depth defender. Uh, he signed a bit expensively, relatively speaking, so I would expect him to slot into the top four. Uh, at one point, I really wanted Miller for the Jets. He's one of those players that's always a uh, a statistical darling, but when it comes to watching him and trying to figure out what he's good at, a little bit harder to put into words other than just a really solid right-handed deal with a decent shot. Marchman, of course, is the biggest acquisition, a genuine uh, great middle six forward. He signed with term for a couple of years, but you just look at this team and yeah, unless Ben Sagan and a few others kind of really step up and have big years, this team is relying on a lot of talent that's more middling than I think they want to admit. And if they can't get Jason Robertson resigned, which I think that that's going to happen at some point, um, but in the off chance that it doesn't, oof, uh, you know, you're looking at the top six and there's not a lot of scoring talent available. So Dallas, I think that they're stuck with the team because they can't just start tanking right now. They don't really have that luxury but you also you know, wonder what exactly the competitive window is. And from my perspective, it's, it's not looking particularly great. It's, this team's a little bit on the older side, and it's going to be a while before uh, the young talent that they've drafted starts to filter in, which they did actually have a pretty good draft this year. I would say that they were one of the big winners. But you know, until then, it's just going to be up to Jake Ottinger. So uh, Ottinger, if you ever hear this, I'm wishing you good fortune. And uh, may the odds ever be in your favor, just not when you're playing the Jets. Now, of course, uh, the 
the stars aren't the only teams that have made some moves and had some pretty good draft picks. We're going to take a look at a couple of other teams that I think actually have won the offseason and done pretty well. You know, Dallas, I wouldn't really qualify as a winner or loser, just kind of in the middle. But some of these other teams, I would say, are definitely winners. We'll take a look at who they are and why they might be on the track towards better things in just a little bit. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Of course, we are taking a look at the Central Division and trying to figure out uh, how the Jets kind of line up against teams that, quite frankly, have made a lot of moves this offseason. Now, the first few teams that we talked about uh, either didn't really do enough to really move the needle or, in Chicago's case, maybe have been tearing it down a lot and prepping themselves for what could be a pretty long next few years. These final teams that we're going to talk about, though, I think have objectively just done pretty good stuff. Uh, the first one that's probably a little bit more on the quieter side, but I think has done good business is the St. Louis Blues. Now, I, I would say that Robert Thomas's contract is a little bit on the more expensive side, but I think that they locked up a guy who's showing to be a really good player and somebody that I think will anchor their top six for years to come. I think that they've also done an all right job of trying to solidify some of their depth, bringing in players like... Um, or, or actually just extending players like Clem Costin, Scott Perunovich, uh, of course, Nathan Walker coming back. I've always been a fan of Walker, but, you know, in terms of what they've done to try and really solidify the top end of the roster, they haven't really had to do a lot. I think the Tarasenko situation for them is probably something they're still trying to figure out uh, how it's going to resolve, because I don't think Tarasenko is, is really looking to extend long-term um, past his current deal, but you know, he doesn't really seem like he's wanting that trade again like he was when he started the season. Seems like he's happier. Seems like things have maybe settled down a bit. So as long as Vladdy is there, I think, you know, this team is going to continue to be a real pain. They did bring in Thomas Grice and Net as the backup, which is, is a pretty nice upgrade. Um, probably a little bit more of a, a track record than Billy Huso, although Huso in the track record he had uh, and in the small sample I thought was pretty darn good. So Maybe it ends up being a more lateral move, but overall, I think the Blues are just kind of keeping on, keeping on. Uh, still, though, a good team, and I think some of the, the deals that they've made, I would say, are probably on the more winning path. Now, a team that I think has had a much more radical offseason in terms of trying to fix uh, some of the biggest issues with the squad and maybe swapping out some players to try and match their style more is, of course, Minnesota. The Wild had a phenomenal draft, and they've also tried to, um, in terms of like the NHL roster, make a few moves here and there to get this team a little bit closer to being truly competitive. Now, I will say that trading away Kevin Fiala probably isn't going to do their top six any favors, but uh, Brock Faber coming in and, of course, the 19th overall pick becoming Liam Ulgren, you can't really complain. Uh, Fiala was, I think, on the outs for a, a good bit there. And, you know, the Wild brought in two guys who are probably going to be true bonafide NHLers. Uh, Faber, for sure, is going to be the kind of player that they love. And Urgren, definitely a little bit more of a project player, but a very talented prospect and somebody that, you know, conceivably in the next couple of years could become a true scoring threat for this team in the top six. As far as, like, the goaltending is concerned, uh, Cam Talbot leaving is probably... I would say a, a bit of a positive development. Just Talbot at this stage of his career is not particularly great. Philip Gustafson uh, is, is an interesting one. I want to see if he's any good because at one point I recall he had a fairly solid run of form with Ottawa, but I don't know if that's still the case 
or if in fact he has kind of crashed down to earth and not been particularly great. But regardless, whatever happens, uh, one of their biggest uh, signings this offseason has been one of their prospects signing his ELC. It's Jesper Wallstedt. So if Cam or if uh, Philip Gustafson and whoever else, I guess it would be, um, of course, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, and that if either of them struggle and Wallstedt looks like he's ready to make the jump, maybe he slides in this year, gets his NHL debut and kind of runs away with it, like uh, run, runs away with the role like uh, Ottinger did. So interesting team. I think that they've had a pretty good offseason, but with like free agents, free agency and stuff, they didn't really make all that many moves. Uh, I think the team that I would say definitely did a lot more in that respect are the Nashville Predators. The Preds have been very busy signing a lot of depth players and also bringing in Nino Niederreiter. They signed Nino for two years at $4 million per, which I think is a phenomenal signing. They also extended Philip Forsberg to an eight-year deal. And uh, with their draft, I think that they got some phenomenal value. The you know uh, Joaquin Kamel is a great addition to this team. And overall, I think that they've made some really smart depth signings. Um, not really a lot of guys that I would expect to be huge impact players outside of Niederreiter, but, you know, Gravel, uh, Roland McCown, Kiefer Sherwood, Mark Jankowski, these guys will all help out their, their depth at the AHL level and could probably do a bit of a job at the NHL level if called up. But, you know, they, they ended up trading Luke Kuhn in a way. And I think that they've done a pretty solid job of uh, shedding some salary here and there, trying to get stuff ready to go. And a team, you know, coming into next season that has a degree of expectation for a playoff appearance. Are they going to be a great, great team? I think they'll be decent. But overall, you know, the Preds, I think, made some smart changes. And uh, they got, of course, their superstar goal scorer resigned. So as long as they kind of keep on keeping on with... Um, Usaceros back in net. They will be a frustrating team to play, and I, I think the Jets are going to have a bit of a tough time getting past them. Overall, I just think the Central in general has been uh, decent at making a couple of upgrades here and there, but I think a lot of these teams are trying to manage their cap situations tightly and maybe haven't had as many radical changes as some of the other teams out there have made, but certainly a, a, a strong division and I think the Jets are going to have a really tough time getting back into the top four. But I'd be curious to know how you feel about a lot of these teams. Which of them do you think are going to be Winnipeg's biggest competitors and rivals this season? Let me know in the comments below or at social media on Twitter at HL11Loco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to make your second listen Locked On NHL. Our experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. You can stay up to date on everything in the hockey world, so give them a like, follow, and a subscription. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!